First John, chapter one. Time of reflection, at least uh, early, as we was putting the stuff on the table, Jennifer, I had to, I guess I had a look on my face. <laughs> Jennifer looked at me and said, uh, something wrong? I said, no, I'm just re-preaching it. And uh, I have a tendency to preach it before I preach it, and then I preach it, and then I re-preach it, going, just contemplating on the response, contemplating on what I did, you know, wound up saying. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, I have an outline, but then, God just preaches me, and I just let him, and uh, so, like, and I, I look back on it, and, um, but then also reflect uh, this afternoon, and, and even this evening, kind of, you know, as, as the pastor, as um, his under-shepherd, if you want to do it that way, as he's, to see where he's guiding us in the messages he's given us, and in the Sunday school lessons, how they're lining up, and just as a whole, the messages that's being taught and the messages being preached as a whole to the people that are here and then the people that are not here, and I take that into account too. I just was reflecting a moment ago about some folks that haven't been here in a while, you know what I'm saying, and how that, I uh, just asked myself, I wonder if we would be where we were at in the messages if they were still coming, you know what I'm saying? And... Um, you know, some folks come in and they just hinder the service. Their presence hinder the service. And um, so, and to see, you know, growth in places and things like that, I do take all that into account. And uh, as, as the Bible talks about Mary, just keeps them in my heart, ponders them in my heart, thinks about things like that uh, to try to give an overall, you know, Lord, where are you taking us? What do you, we you know, uh, where you, you know, where do you have us and where are you taking us? And I try to, I try to be conscious of that um, as the pastor. And so uh, it's interesting <laughs> to see how things are lining up, especially today. And, and we talk about the, uh, a whole lot has been said about um, sanctification and our sanctification. Again, just, um, I mean, if the glory... <laughs> of our righteousness in the spirit and that I just that just rang true to me this morning in 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 my heart um if we are to shine brighter than Moses shone <laughs> in our in our lives in in our walk and and again I I was condemned when I said that it's a sad day that uh, uh not only a professing Christian but a a, a professing preacher you know, a God-called preacher uh, it doesn't have enough light that I can't just automatically get respect. You know, it used to just come. I mean, you just, just I mean, it. you know, I, well, I was at, um, in the second worst project in Louisville, preaching with a, a church, uh, an inner city church, uh, the congregation predominantly black, and they would go down into the projects. It was amazing to go with them. I learned a lot, and um, 
uh, we, uh, we went into the project. They said, you, you know, as I, I was working, I was in the Air National Guard at the time, and I was doing my two-week tour there in Louisville at Standerford Field, and, and I just decided to work the night shift. They just put me into security with the night shift, so I had the days, and I had gone by the church there, and Brother Griffith said, do you want to go street preaching with us? I said, well, sure. He said, well, we go to the projects. And said, we get up in the back of Brother Peebles' truck, and we just preach to them. said, they're drug dealing on the corner. You know, and, and I went into the projects. Now, mind you, I was the minority, all right, <laughs> to say the least. But to watch, to watch the people of the church, the, the ladies and the little kids of the church go up, you know, prior to street preaching, they would go up and just go through the projects and knock on doors and say, we're getting ready to preach. You know, our church is getting ready to preach down here on the corners and we invite you to come out and, uh, and listen to us. Where's the men separated off? And I was with Brother Griffith. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, oh, me of little faith. You know, Brother Griffith at the time was a big, bigger man than he is now. Let's put it that way. And, uh, and so I was sticking close to him. <laughs> But also in my back pocket, <clears throat> there was something along the lines there, you know, <laughs> just in case, you know. <laughs> but anyway, as we was walking around, broken glass, you know, all over the ground, needle caps all over the ground. But it was so interesting to go to the projects. And we walk up on, I remember just... There was a couple of fellas, two or three fellas, sitting out in lawn chairs in between the buildings there. And they had their big, tall brown bottles. And as we walked up, they seen it. It was the Reverend. And uh, as we had our Bibles, as we walked up, they took the bottles and they put it behind the chair. I mean, we walked up, they were two and a half sheets in the wind, <laughs> at least. Red eyes, but they seen the preacher, and they hid the bottle. They even had cigarettes in their hand, and they cupped the cigarette, turned around, cupped their hand, and hit them down like this. They had enough respect for the preacher coming up just to say, hey, we're getting ready. They didn't come up, they didn't listen to us, but they had enough respect when we walked up. And you don't get that today. They obviously, the Brother Griffith and his people obviously had some light. Maybe I had a little bit more light then that I don't have because something's wrong. <laughs> and I got to reflecting upon all that. I'm thinking, hmm, is my light not shining as bright as it ought to? And, uh, and just, and then, we, you know, we go to, the, to downtown Madisonville on the, on the street corner at the courthouse square and and, you know, people cussed us and carrying on. There was, more, there was more respect in the project, second worst project in Louisville. In fact, while we were preaching, there was a couple of individuals coming down the road in a convertible. They had the top down and the music blaring. Well, actually, it's not really music. It was just bass. <laughs> and everything rattling. But they seen us back up in that truck, back in the bed of the truck preaching, and they turned it down. And they slowed down and very respectfully passed in front of us, turned the corner, and you heard again. 
And we was out there preaching probably five, ten minutes, and then the street, the drug dealers that was dealing on the other side of the corner, just straight across on the other side of the street, they left. And uh, Sister Peebles' cousin was the police officer in, in the projects, and uh, he come by, and he, he stopped, and he's listening to us, and he said, and he looked over at the corner, and he said, I'm going to have to have you guys come back more often. He said, I normally have to sit here 20, 30, 40 minutes before they get, get off that corner. He said, you've been here 10 minutes, and they're gone. <laughs> the light. And uh, just reflecting back on that experience and reflecting about to this morning's message and then looking at tonight's message, you know, we introduced First John two weeks ago, and I think we got down pretty much to verse number four, but I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, at least, well, just read the whole chapter again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And I think we dealt with fellowship and that fullness of joy and uh, that joy unspeakable and full of glory when we was there before. Now we're going to pick up verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Imagine that. <laughs> where we was at this morning, where we at tonight. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That goes right along with our men's Sunday school tonight. If we confess our sins, again, this goes right along with that too. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, thanking you, Lord, for the word of God today and for the teaching and the preaching, and the Lord, for meeting with us this morning. pray and ask that you guide and direct in the message and, uh, tonight. Uh, guide us and help us in our word. Lord, help us in our walk as we reflect upon what we have taught and preached and, and learned and seen in the scriptures, I pray. Uh, seeing where you, the field that you have us in as we turn inwardly uh, a reflection, as even was sung tonight, take time to be holy. Lord, help us in our walk. And Lord, help us in our talk. Help us in our light to, to shine brightly, Lord, as, as we go into this dark, sinful world. I pray that the light uh, will shine out of us. And Lord, the light of the gospel will be ready upon our lips. And but our lives will reflect Christ in us, the hope of glory. I pray that that would be um, real in our lives uh, as we uh, go about our daily business and come in contact with folks to 
that we could influence uh, for your glory uh, and point people to your Son. I pray that you'd do that through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So again, verse number 5, this then is the message. So he, he says, we, we, we have heard uh, from the beginning that which we have heard from the beginning. We have looked upon him, the word of life. We've handled him. Uh, we have uh, that which we have seen and heard and declare, that which we have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the son, his, his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write un, uh, unto you that your joy may be full. And, and so what? So not only of all this, but then the, the next things that he's writing, that our joy may be full. You know, and then again, that restoration, I'm going back to our men's Sunday school class. He, he's dealing with David, and he's dealing with David's sin with Bathsheba, and how Nathan comes out and, and he declares unto him his sin, and he spoke to us, or, and then Brother uh, Tim referenced you know, Psalm 51 and also referenced Psalm 32 in our men's Sunday school. And I'll go back to Psalm 32, at least the first five verses for the sake of the ladies here tonight. Um, David talking about, you know, the confession, of course, the way that Brother Tim uh, uh, dealt with it tonight, the confession and the the repentance that that was in David's life. But Psalm 32, verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And this goes right along with our scripture there in 1 John. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night my hand was heavy, uh, thy hand was heavy upon me. Thy moisture is turned into the drought of summer Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin Selah. And of course, you know, over there in 51, we, had, we dealt with this when Brother Bryant was with us, you know, and the little, uh, the little I want to put it, that outline that, that had God dealt with us, you know, um, purge me with hyssop. Uh, this is a little side note. It was kind of a funny that um, Brother Hall and Mrs. Hall experienced as driving down the road listening to a, a little, uh, a little uh, Christian radio station out of eastern Kentucky or, yeah, on the verge of eastern Kentucky, above, uh, just outside of, uh, north of Cookville, Tennessee. They had a translator in Cookville, and it was an old mountain preacher, and one of them, kind of one of them hacking preachers, everybody's heard them, they know what I'm talking about, and uh, he, he started reading Psalm 51, and he said, uh, so Mrs. Hall had her seat leaned back, you know, there in the car, they was driving up the highway, interstate, and that old mountain preacher got to verse 7 and said, Purge me with a, purge me with a, purge me with a H-Y-S-S-O-P. I don't know how to announce that word. <laughs> Mrs. Hall, did he just say what I think he said? <laughs> so they've kind of joked that around about that he didn't know how to announce that word. Hyssop, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear thy joy of gladness, and that thy bones, uh, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. 
creating, clean me, uh, creating me a clean heart, uh, O God, and renew, yeah, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation, and uphold me uh, with Thy free spirit. So that confession and and repentance we see of David again brought out in our men's Sunday school class. And so here in First John, then then. This then is the message. So he's, he's introducing to us, as John introduced in 1 John, he's, and he again goes right into it. He doesn't say, I, John, the apostle, you know, the apostle. John. He, doesn't, he doesn't say that. He doesn't even say necessarily who he's writing to, uh, like Peter did uh, and Paul does in a lot of his uh, epistles. You know, he, 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 who, who am I? And sometimes it's Paul and he, there's others with him that is sending this epistle, sending this letter to the churches, you know, and he, he identifies uh, in the salutation who he's sending it to. John just goes right into it, all right? And, uh, and then again, he, he just starts declaring Jesus Christ. And, and, then, and, and then he gets to the message, and, and he declares the message of Christ is in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And one of the you know there are several things that the way that Brother Tim was bringing it out tonight in the men's Sunday school class, you know about just His holiness and how holy He is. And I was thinking about as I was reading this uh, in preparation for tonight, how that you know our eyes are made to regulate light. You go out there in the darkness, our pupils will get big, so they allow more light into our eye. When it's really bright outside, our pupils will constrict, so let less light in there. So we're, our eye naturally has been made sensitive to the light and will adjust to the light. And as I was reading this about that darkness and that there in him is no darkness at all, you know, and I got to thinking about when we, you know, say, go to the eye doctor. <laughs> Been to the dentist this morning. Let's go to the eye doctor tonight. <laughs> go to the eye doctor and they dilate our eyes. And they put the eye drops in there and our, eye, our pupils get real big so they can see in there and, and one thing or another. And then, you know, anybody's been to the, to the eye doctor, you know, I dilate that eye, and they put that little super-duper brain. You put your chin in the little cup, and they put that super-duper eye, and they start looking at the back of your eyeball, and it's just, I mean, painful. The, the brightness of that light is so intense that it actually causes your eyeball to hurt, you know? And, 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 and I got to thinking about that and how that, that God's light is that he is light. He's the essence of light. He's light. And in him is no darkness at all. You could translate to, be ye holy, for I am holy, like we just read there in Peter. And, and, and his holiness and his light, and there is no darkness whatsoever. And, and while Peter and those with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, when, and we looked at Moses this morning and how he shone. After just being in the presence of the law and what and the 
of the tablets, the word of God on the tablets and the presence of God, <laughs> and he's shown to the place where they had to put veil over him when he talked to the men. Because they couldn't stand seeing the light that Moses had with the law and how much we should shine more. As we preach this morning, don't want to preach that again, but it really goes right on. If, if we are to reflect, he commands, well, just, I will go back there. <clears throat> when he says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he commands the light to shine out of the darkness. And he's shined in our hearts. And he is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So that going back really the way that God's put it all together here again is our sanctification. Our darkness, our sin, because he's getting ready to deal with it that way. Our unrighteousness. In him is no darkness at all. He's pure. And, and so we see the, the, the brightest of lights. See, like at the, uh, in fact, I'm seeing spots right now just thinking about it. <laughs> from, from the eye exam in that day. You know, they just put that, uh, that magnifying glass and just they, they look through it to see the back of our eye and just the brightness of that. It's all you can do to keep your eye open for them to look in the back of your eye. And the intensity of that, but just think of the purity and even just like Peter had to hide his face on the Mount of Transfiguration because his glory shone. And I think one of the issues that we've had when it comes to our imperfections and our um, sin, if you want to put it that, our, our sin, our imperfections, our uh, darkness, is we're not seeing God as pure as we ought to see him. We're not seeing, as, and this, this goes really right along with the, the succession of, of how we've been going through the scriptures here. We, we, got to, we spoke of God's holiness, but we just don't, we can't grab a hold of it. <laughs> the perspective is His holiness. If we would see Him high and lifted up like Isaiah did, <laughs> we would act like Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6. When God, the, just the train, <laughs> if God walks through the temple and just the train drives the men out of the temple, woo! I've, I've been in some services. I can, I can probably name about three for sure. I mean, that God was just, I didn't want to move. Because I just wanted to be still afraid to move. Just because God's presence was so real. And then there was two of them that was that way. And one of them I was in, in the glory with him. Woo! It was good stuff. <laughs> and I, it wasn't an outer body experience. But I was so wrapped up in praising him. <laughs> when I... If I want to put it that when I come back 
to where I was at. <laughs> not that I was out, you know, out of body experience and not, but I, when I, like I said, I got done running and shouting and one thing or another, I found myself kind of over here against the wall and I don't think Brother Hall had ever seen me quite that way before because he was over here going. <laughs> when I looked up and I said, oh, okay. <laughs> it was just good. And I'd like to see it around here. But again, we have to see him as that pure light, that pure holiness. We have to, 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 to uh, reverence him. There's the word I'm looking for, reverence him in that. We're talking about God's glory in the past weeks. We talk about uh, being careful not to rob him of any glory. Not to, and, we, and we're talking about on Wednesday nights the spirit of God and being careful not to offend him. And the offense that, and we, we uh, related the offense that we can bring in grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, but offending the Holy Spirit, and we kind of re- relayed that to the, the spousal relationship and the closeness of a marriage relationship, you know, the, the intimate moments, the... You know, it's just some of the unspoken things. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you get around some weddings or around a, a young married couple. And, uh, in fact, my, um, my uh, son-in-law, Jacob, up in Muskogee, <laughs> my poor family, <laughs> they're all the examples. <laughs> but it was wise on his parents' part. So there's a brother and sister in that church. Since then, the, the, the son, the, the brother, has gotten married and has children of his own, but Jacob, of the three of them, was the first to get married. And, um, you know, it was one of those deals. You have single friends, and you just kind of do things together, and all the activities, game nights and things like that, and so on and so forth, and uh, out of the wisdom uh, from Jacob's parents, they were just like, uh, you know, somewhere along the way, and I, I wish somebody had told me this. Lisa said, amen. <laughs> Hang on. Somebody had told me this, that uh, it's going to be different when you get married. Your relationship with those two and others in the church that you pal around with as a single man will be different when you get married. And and Jacob didn't understand that. Jacob was still, and I experienced that too, just, you know, well, why can't we just all be, you know, the same? Oh, it's different. Because now you have a spouse. Now the your affections are driven to them and the 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 going and running, not saying that you can't as a married couple, young married couple, get with your single, young single friends, but it's just different than it was when you were still single. And then it's, it's interesting too, all the married people that know about married life. It's not written in a book. <laughs> it's just there's some things that you can't express, you just know. And to see to see a young couple, you know, they're going through the courtship phase and one thing and another, 
And then, you know, you, you know, I mean, there are certain things that you share about in preparation for the married life. But there's some things you just can't share. And you just can't express it. It's probably wrong to express it. They just have to know. They just have to learn it for themselves. And then to see them come back, you know, maybe into church shortly after they're married. And then you know that they know. And they know now what you have known, but you can't, you just kind of look at each other in acknowledgement of knowing, but you can't, <laughs> you don't talk about it. You know what I'm saying? That intimacy, that, that, that offense that when, when you get broken into, you offend. In fact, I won't say it. Lisa and I, we're, we're turning into our parents. I'll say it that way. And this little things, and looking at each other, you know, when we're going on, uh, I try. Anyway, I got my ways and she has her ways, and sometimes they're crossways of each other. Let's put it that way. <laughs> sometimes it gets to the place where it's offensive. And like I said Wednesday night before last, just like the Holy Spirit, when we have that intimate relationship and we get crossways with our spouse, it just ain't good until we get things right. It's just that that closeness is 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 hurt. And 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 we're dealing with the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night now, and we talk about the offense of Him, and we're dealing with we see that God fellowship here in verse number three. Uh, that ye may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I know the Spirit is not mentioned there, but we're talking about the same God. And that your joy may be full. These things I write to you, that your joy may be full. You know, when things are right between you and your spouse, it's good stuff down at the house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just think, you know, the birds are singing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just good. There's peace. Hallelujah. Woo. And tranquility in the home when things are right. But when things are wrong, it's not that way. And the same way with the, we can express that with God because there is a fellowship that we can have with him. But the thing is, he is so holy. He's light, and there in him is no darkness at all. And so when we have specks of darkness in our light, it hurts the fellowship. Amen. When we sway, uh, stray and we get out of sorts, it hurts the fellowship. We see it all in the Word of God. We could use Miriam and... Uh, in, in the crossing, when she, her and Aaron, you know, went and they was talking about Moses. <laughs> Moses was the called man. And lots of times that happens with families. I know your past. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not without honor right there in your... But they spoke against Moses and... Leprosy was put on Miriam, and, and it affected the whole move, forward movement of God's people. 
They, they entreated Moses on the behalf of Miriam and her leprosy. God said, I'll heal her, but she's still got to go out for seven days and get cleansed. And then when she is cleansed, she can come back in, and then the, the troop will go forward. But it wasn't until after Miriam got right. And, you know, I, I, I preach the message, sideways saints, and oftentimes we get sideways, and it breaks that fellowship. Because we are not right. We are not allowing his light to shine through us. We are not holy. I keep going back to, and I don't know, maybe one of these days we'll get beyond Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, but that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Which goes back to this morning's message. Just lay yourself bare and allow God to do the research. In the inward parts of your, in the inner recess, it's hard. It's it's not a pleasant thing. I went into a revival, truly wanting revival in my heart, in my life. And God said to confess some things. And it was not an easy thing to do. I had to go to people and it was not an easy thing to do. People were hurt because of my confession. But I wanted to be right with God. If we say we have fellowship with Him, here it is. He's, he's light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him... And walk in darkness. He's talking to the saints here. He's not talking to the sinners. Yes, we as saints. Again, sometimes I wish the women were out here in the men's Sunday school class. <laughs> At nighttime because it goes right along with my message. Sometimes we can, as saints, walk in darkness. Or he wouldn't dealt with it right here. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Let's go back to the verse number six. We can walk in darkness. And... And, you know, when it says, if we say we have fellowship with him. And this goes back to this morning. We go out. It goes back to even some of the pre-whatever tonight. When, when we go out into the world, we're among our lost family. We're among lost co-workers. We go out into the world and, and we say... I'm just using this as, a, as an example. We put on our T-shirt that says Christian. Child of God. Got our little piece, our little fish symbol on there. Whatever. Whatever, you know, or we mention church, or maybe we pull out a track and we invite somebody to church. Okay, we say we have fellowship with God, with him. So 
the world knows, our co-workers know, maybe because of some something or another in their lives. We have a Bible on our desk. We've invited them to church. We we don't cuss. We you know we uh, you know we don't go down to fill in the blank. We don't whatever, and they know that we don't. So there's some kind of testimony that we know him and have fellowship with him, but they see something contrary. We say that we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness. It goes back to our saying, we lie and do not the truth. We're hypocrites. And it's funny, we're really quick to condemn some hypocrites. But sometimes, if we really, 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 really want to be honest, we're just, we're a hypocrite too. Somebody said, use this example, said, here's a hypocrite. I'm not going down to the church because of the hypocrites. Here's God and here's you. Well, who's closer to God than you are? <laughs> the hypocrite is, right? I thought that was a pretty good example. But that's, that's a lot's it. I'm not, so, but lots of times we find ourselves, we say one thing and then, and, and that's another thing, the devil will try to trip us up, try to, that one little word in front of somebody's ear, in the earshot of somebody, and there's like, oh, I thought that you were. Uh-oh. I have fellowship with God. Yeah, you should have been down to should have been down at the church house. We're having a good time at the church, you know, and so on and so forth. And then Brother Tim talks about getting in the car and getting frustrated with traffic. Or we, we hit the wrong nail. You're supposed to hit the one that's metal, and we hit this nail. And something not very Christ-like comes out of our mouth. But it's always within earshot or eyeshot of somebody that has been looking at us. And I know things like that happen and we have to eat crow and maybe apologize real quick and so on and so forth. And we, we want to excuse it as the flesh. Is there an excuse? If we walk in the light? I mean, it just brings it really tight. And it's bringing it tight on my heart this morning and tonight. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. See, that's the key. Following him. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. We should seek holiness. We should seek sanctification in our life. We should strive. Going back to the old army recruiting slogan, be all that you can be. For him, for his glory. And again, that goes back to laying up our treasures in heaven. I mean, all of it's tied together. All of the the precepts of the word of God goes back to Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
just allowing him to work in us and through us, but it all goes back to his glory. And when we, when we try to rob his glory or we walk in darkness because of whatever, giving in to temptation or just because, rebellion. Some, some person has said that God has no rebels in, you know, in his family. And I think sometimes we can just outright say no. I think Jonah is an example of that. He said, no, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. He ran from God. But again, God knew what his barley field was. God knew how to get his attention. And I personally don't want, you know, oftentimes, I know Pam flies a whole lot. Oftentimes, well, you know, I, don't, I have flown but especially when I flew that when we went to Aruba or when I flew overseas, I mean it's a long flight. But I often want to get on here, you know, on the plane, and just as people are kind of getting in their seat, kind of be toward the end and say, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Is there any, <laughs> is there any preacher here running from God? You know, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of your storm. You know what I'm saying? Any Christian here running from God, I don't want to be a part of your storm. I really don't. Not up in the air, you know what I'm saying? I don't. But then that's just it. How many storms do we bring on ourselves because we walk in darkness? It hurts. I know it hurts because it's hitting me too. She said, what's wrong with you? I'm examining me. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, uh, we have fellowship one with another. Isn't that, you're talking about the harmony in the home? So that, that, that intimacy when everything is right between husband and wife and the kids and the mama and the daddy and every, there's just that, it's just nice to come home, you know what I'm saying? There have been times, <laughs> you know, there's, the old saying, there's times that you throw in your hat before you walk in the door. If it comes flying back out, you decide to go somewhere else. That's no harmony. Throw in your hat and it stays in. Okay, we get to go. Harmony, peace. There's nothing like a peaceful, tranquil, tranquil home. You know, you just, everything is right. You have fellowship one with another. Again, using that analogy, but then if you have fellowship with him and walk, uh, rewind, if we have, but if we walk in the light, there we go, and he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. He's talking about the saints of God. You know, I know Pam was a part of that meeting. And the media picks up on it. Infighting among your or, the different organizations. Infighting, you know, or whatever. And I know leadership has got to be chosen and there's some whatever, but, but that ought not to be in the house of God. Amen. Unity is what the Bible teaches for us. Unification, coming together in one mind, in one accord. 
and let this mind be in you. See, he goes back to see it all ties together. If we have fellowship with him, I'm sorry, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there we go, we have fellowship one with another amongst ourselves. And that again goes to that self-examination. Is there any ought that we got to take care of? If you have ought with your brother, we went through this in the past. The Bible talks about going to him privately, her privately. And to make sure things are right. And if you can get things handled at that level, then you handle it at that level. If they won't receive you, then take somebody up with you as a witness that you are trying to get things right. But, but again, like Brother Hall has said, and I think I used it while he was here, that, if, if, that two born-again Christians should be able, using the principles of the Word of God, should be able to work their differences out. The Bible even talks about differences between churches. Having an, a third party, a third church, be the... the, the um, the judge, mediator, and the judge over the situation. Don't go to don't go to civil law. I'm just saying this is the principles set forth in the book. I've never seen it practiced. Don't go to civil law, and then it says when you have another church mediate, take the the the, the one of low estate, and I know that's not the word that they use, but take somebody from the lower estate and set them up as judge. I'd like to see that happen sometime. Just as, I mean, I know it would work. The Bible says that that's, that's the Bible's example, but I've never seen it among the churches that way. Most of the time they split right down the middle and then half, half of them will leave and then that half will go down and start another church and it's not out of another church like it ought to be and so that church just, it's non-scriptural, it's not started right. You know, where do we get the second Baptist churches? <laughs> because they split off the first. Where do we get the third Baptist churches? They split off the second. <laughs> I know a preacher that said the first church he ever pastored, literally, this side of the church was against this side of the church and vice versa. And he said it was just the hardest thing. He said God told him to preach through Proverbs. <laughs> And that's what he did. God took care of some, some issues preaching through Proverbs. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's based on walking in the light as he is in the light. So he is light. John here has already declared that he's the Word. John, in the Gospel of John, talks about he's the Word. He said, I, as I go away, the Spirit of truth, 
the, the comforter will come. He's the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. And this is the light. Look, when we're looking for how to, how to walk, and we're looking for how to talk, and we're looking for how to conduct ourselves as a child of God, here it is. Here's your recipe. Here's your instructions. And I know you see, I've used this just a week or so ago. We often wonder about things. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Walking in that light. How is he directing our paths? Through his word. This is your flashlight. (laughs) Put this before you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And in walking in light, he will cleanse us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, that goes back to I I walk in darkness, but I say I have fellowship with him. I'm a liar. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, there's the word truth. Truth goes back to the light. It's It's all the same. What is truth? That was already brought out this morning. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, but most people that, that, I mean, talking about, you know, there are still some. I'm okay. Like Brother Glenn said this morning, me and and God's got a good, I I had that same testimony, one of my co-workers. And I don't even know how it come about. Something just, one of those little awkward moments that, I might have said something along the spiritual realm of things, and then when nobody else was in the office, just me and him, he looked at me and said uh, something about him and God have their own thing going, kind of sort of thing. Sorry, it's not going to work. He's deceived. If we confess our sins, just like David's example, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. A lot of times people want to say that we Baptists that believe in eternal security, although that's terms not in the word of God, you believe once saved, always saved? Oh, you're one of those Baptists that feel that, uh, you know, that once you're saved, you just go out and sin and live any way you want, or you just go out and live any way you want to. No, we're not, because a lot, but there are people, there are Baptists, probably people that you know that want to run to verse 9 and say, all I got to do is confess it. I kind of fell into that before I met Lisa and got right with God, or Got right with God, met Lisa. There we go. Let me change that around there to that order. I I was I was saved at fourteen years old, but now now I'm on my own. 
18, 19, wanting to have some friends with the, you know, in the flight that I was in. Hey, we're going to have a flight party over here. You know, every now and then our three-day break, we worked three second shifts, three third shifts, and was off three days. And every now and then the three days fell on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That was more of an excuse for a flight party. We're going to be down here. We're going to go to the park. and We're going to, we're going to go over to so house. And so I'd go along on, safe Saturday night. I'd excuse it as I'll be the designated driver. But I was a part of it. I wasn't very bright in my light doing that. And then Sunday morning, I'd be in church thinking I was okay. I'm fellowshipping with the fellowshipping. I'm walking in the light. <laughs> or I'm, what's, I'm uh, yeah, I'm fellowshipping with him, but I'm walking in darkness. That was me at 19 years old, 18 years old. I'm in the house of God on Sunday morning. I'm singing the songs. I'm in Sunday school even. But Saturday night I wasn't. Saturday night I was out with the buds. And then Holy Spirit, like I said, got in a car with me in Las Vegas, Nevada on January 1st, 1987 at about 1.30 in the morning and got my attention and said, you better get right or you're going to be spit out in the back alley. And I found myself at the Sun and Shield Baptist Church in Tucson, Arizona, God guiding that, and then went forward on Sunday night after being preached to by Brother Hall twice that Sunday and got right with God. I should have went that morning probably. God had already said to get right with him. But it's easy to fall into that as a saint and then it's easy to say, well, I'll just confess. Well, what if, you know, uh, Esau sought repentance and there was no repentance? There was no, you know, there is a space of grace and sometimes a window, an opportunity for you to get right. And if, if David hadn't acknowledged his sin in, in, in 2 Samuel, where we were at in the men's Sunday school room, if David hadn't, you know, when David and Nathan said, Thou art the man. If David had said, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get this preacher out of here. I don't know what he's talking about and try to continue to cover his sin, but he didn't do that. Amen. Thank the Lord he didn't do that. But so many people are that way. They're lying. They're deceiving themselves. They, they're lying. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And, and, and so verse number 9 is not a, a license to go out in sin. But because we are a child of God, we have an advocate with the Father who's Jesus Christ who sits down on the right hand, who sat down on the right hand side of the, of the Father and he's our mediator and he's our advocate. And we can go to the Father through the Son and say, I'm sorry. Like, uh, like the um, prodigal son did there in, in, in Luke. 
Chapter 15, his words, and, and I know has been the son has been preached lost and the son has been preached saved and backslidden and come back to the father. I can see where they could preach it that way, but the whole context of scripture with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, he's lost. But when he came to the end of himself, he said... Verse number 18, I will arise and go to, uh, to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So that's what he said he would do in his heart, verse number 18 and 19, but he actually did it. Verse number 20, and he arose. <laughs> And he came to his father. But when his father was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, he said he was going to, and he said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said, Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy. I love those words. Thank you. God for his mercy. Going back to him. I love how God puts things together. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The robe speaks of righteousness. The ring speaks of relationship. I I ain't got the shoes yet. But that ring was a signet ring. said he's a part of the family. The robe covered up the stench and the dirt and the foul that he got from the hog pen. And it's our righteousness is just like that. as filthy rags. But his righteousness, which is wrapped around us in the blood of Jesus Christ. When he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. Not, he doesn't see, just like, just like Mephibosheth. He sat at the king's table. You didn't see that he was crippled. He was under the table. <laughs> Woo! Treated as a son. What a blessing. The mercies and the graces that was shown to, to Mephibosheth. A rich story. Appreciated the message. On the Mephibosheth and the teaching on Mephibosheth, both. It's a rich, rich story. It's right down the line. But so many times, and I have so many, I just got pages, a couple pages of, of scripture about darkness in here. You can do it yourself. I don't think we're, <laughs> we're not going to get there. I can't do it. We'll just end it this way. But that's where we're at. So it, verse number 9 is not a license that we can just go out and just live on Saturday night to the world and walk, and walk in darkness and just come in Sunday morning and confess and be good for another week. It doesn't work that way. Amen. It's not like, <laughs> I hear Sister Pam will say, that's right. It's not like that you just go to, yeah, to the phone booth and, you know, <laughs> the little double-doored phone booth in the Catholic Church 
They pull back the little window. Father, I have sinned. Obviously, he's not a father, and that's not the father you need to be praying to. All right, go and do so many Hail Marys. Go do some penance of some sort, da-da-da-da, and then you just go out, and then you round up, and you go in there the next week. It doesn't work that way. That's it. Yeah, there's some good Baptists that rededicate. I rededicated my life. And you go about three Sundays and you're out again. Where is rededication? I see repentance preached, but not rededication. I see R, repentance, not rededication. There's a difference. I know I grew up in those churches. I grew up, he rededicated. And then I got big enough and old enough and I said, wait, where is rededication in that? I see repentance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, praise God. He rededicated. All right, where is he this Sunday? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't get too rededicated. He probably was never dedicated in the first place. Let it get rededicated. <laughs> That's it. You got It's like revival. You got to be vived to be revived. You got to be living. To be living again or to add life back to you. There's passages of scripture of the darkness, and I looked up darkness in Luke 1 and talked about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, well, I'll, yeah, I'll hit a couple of these real quick. Try to be done here in a minute. But so John the Baptist and Zacharias. Zacharias' father, in verse number 67 of Luke 1, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, mind you, Zacharias had been mute for a while. And he says, No, his name will be John. Then he, and then this is, what, <laughs> this is what he's saying. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which has been... Since the world began that he should be saved from our enemy, we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our, to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore unto our father Abraham, that he would grant us unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be a prophet. He's speaking to John right now. And thou, child, shall be a prophet uh, of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light. Here it is. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the, day, uh, till the day of his showing unto Israel. But so John, and I know that Brother Glenn has been talking about John, that was his, his, his purpose, is to give light. And in his example, I know he, he declared he was the last, I would say the last of the prophets. He said he would be a prophet here. But in, in going back to this morning, going back to the night about our light, 
He commands that his light be shown out of darkness. Well, who is what? We are his vessels to do that, to get the gospel out, to be to let be to let people see Christ in us. The hope of glory to, with our lips to like John to give light to them that sit in darkness. Darkness is all around us. They're, they're only going to see the light if we declare the light unto them. Who are we declaring? Jesus Christ and his gospel to, to the glory of God the Father. And I referred, made reference this morning, John, Luke eleven thirty three. No man when he hath lighted a candle put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye, therefore when light, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is also full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Now, I know he's talking in, in Luke, he's talking to the children of Israel, he's still talking to the Jews, but it, it's canonized in our scripture, it can be applied to us. It's to show forth the light, not to hide it in a secret place, Amen. not to put it under a bushel, but to put it up high. And one of the one of the examples that Brother Shock used to do on our, our watch night services that we would have at Calvary Baptist in Bonaire, Georgia, we would be done preaching about 15 minutes, 20 minutes before midnight, give us enough time for a testimony service. And they'd, they'd light a single candle up here on the table, and everybody else had the little candles unlit with the little paper to keep it from burning your hands. And they, had, they set up a microphone up here. And each individual would come up and light their candle. And then have opportunity to thank the Lord for whatever from back in 20, the previous year. Well, you didn't have to testify. You could just light your candle and go back to your seat. And so, brother, year after year, each time we had the candle, that candlelight testimony service, brother Shock would go through a little thing about how that maybe even before we lit our candle, how that, you know, you can take this candle, put it on the floor, and it doesn't light the room as if it does when it's lifted up. You, you hold the light up high, then it lights up the room more. And so he would go through that, and he would go talk about our light shining in, you know, in darkness. And, and that's the way it ought to be. You know, of course... Um, you know, and how that the single light here that we get our light from the single source, which is Jesus Christ. And he would go through that, and, and it stuck with me uh, through these years, and now I can give that as an example. We see that in Luke 11. And then the very last one, I've got some others, but I'll do this one here. John chapter 3, verse 17. And I know he's going to be dealing with John. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light, Jesus Christ, light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. <laughs> every time. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they, and it didn't print. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know what happened. But he that doeth truth cometh through the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The light's coming to the world. We're to be, we're to allow that light to shine through us. We're not to walk in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And the truth is not in us. If we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin. That goes right along with this morning's message too. So again, open ourselves up to that examination. Have that consciousness about us about everything we do, everything we say, how we, how we live among men out in darkness. Are we tarnished? Going back to the, the globe on uh, the oil lamp, the old coal oil lamp, they get soot every now and then. You turn up that wick too high, it starts smoking, and it'll smoke up the glass. So what do you do during the daytime? I'm sure one of Brother Glenn's jobs from time to time, somebody in the household had to take that globe and to clean it out during the day so that at night the light would shine brightly through the globe. And that's what happens to us every now and then. Our flame flickers and it tarnishes our globe and we don't shine as brightly as we should. I like those things because you turn it down just enough, get that just right, that, that wick will just, I mean, uh, just shine brightly like them old Coleman lanterns too. You have those little wicks in there, them little bulb wicks. You get that thing just right, I mean, it puts out some light. But we got to be right. You got to be just right. Our flame... Flickers and tarnishes our globe. We just need to be conscious about getting our globe cleaned. Going to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so our lights will shine brightly in this dark, sinful world.